Oh, good lord, Yesenia. I'm glad you survived your bout with COVID. I'm glad I survived. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm a little depressed. I'm going to say I could have could have went out. I had a good run. <laughs> I'm tired of being tired and sad and stressed. I need a vacation. A staycation? Maybe medication? I don't know. Well, I tell you right now, uh, I'm going to enjoy my vacation. So do with that information what you will. But I know there's tons of us that are happy that you made it and are still here with us among the living. Yay, yay. <laughs> um, yes. Glad overall that I feel better. Because um, fun fact, y'all, I moved. And two days after moving, I got COVID. So my room is a mess of boxes and things that I don't know where they are because I haven't unpacked. Uh, yeah, so if that's where, uh, if you guys were wondering why uh, there was no episode last week, uh, just to shed a little light on, you know, what was going on. We had a sickness, we had a sickness going on uh, that prevented Yesenia us. Yesenia had the ick, mm-hmm. the ugly, if you will. But like I said, she's feeling much better, good enough to, to you know, give me and the rest of us her time for the next hour or so. As we delve deep into another episode of Soft Boiled, today's topic uh, coming from coming at this from the minds of two people who are not parents and have zero kids that we know of. Uh, we're going to be talking all about uh, parenting. Well, more so opinions on parenting, things of that nature. Uh, more on that coming up on the other side of Ace's Fire intro. Tuned in to the Soft Boiled Podcast with DeAndre and Yesenia, your one-stop shop for all things relationships. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You know, okay. it would be really weird if I didn't know I had a kid. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, That'd be hilarious. You know, I think all of us in the group were like, hey, if Yesenia had a kid, we wouldn't be surprised. What? <laughs> really? Well, I think that's before um uh any of us knew about um your sexcapades in depth in detail. Like now, like <coughs> excuse me. Like now if you know after all the conversations we've had about sex and and love and stuff and whatnot, now I would be like, okay, now I would really be surprised if she had a kid. But before we we were talking about all this, oh yeah, I'd be like Psh, she's probably got like three or four little rugrats running around that she don't know about. Yeah, definitely not. I love children, but I love the fact that I can give them back to their parents. Um, I think I would make a great mom one day to one special kid, maybe two because you got to have a sibling, but um, I have no desire to have kids right now at this big old age. And I, I'm healing my own inner child, so I'm taking care of me before I get into the realm of children. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Take care of yourself and your mental health and well-being and all that jazz before you have to do that for another human being, a little person that comes out of you. Exactly. And as it relates to this topic, I kind of parent a lot of my patients and, uh, have to give it to their parents sometimes to get their shit together because they're harming their kids in such fucking ridiculous ways mm-hmm. that are actually really avoidable. Um, if people just got over their own egos and realize that they're the ones in the wrong. Right. 
Um, and I know at the top, I said this would be all about parenting and whatnot. And for the most part, it can be. But also, uh, we were once kids. We can also share some of our uh, experiences growing up, whether they be in single parent household, single parent, single parent. Yes, that's single parent household. There you go. That's man. English is hard sometimes. Single parent households or dual parents or even just growing up around aunts, uncles, grandparents, abuelita um, or cousins, you know, things of that nature. Uh, we can give some of mm -hmm. our experiences uh, growing up uh, as because uh, I know we've touched on it before in a previous episode. But hey, uh, we're here to talk about all about parenting, life experiences, things of that nature. And what brought about this this uh, topic in my mind was I was just scrolling through good old Twitter because that's what it's still called. It's called Twitter. I don't know what what this other thing is is going on with this one letter thing. I don't know what's going on there, but it's still called Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I came across this thread on Twitter that blew up and somehow came across my timeline. Uh, it says uh, an opinion about parenting that would get you like this. And it's that old meme of who's that character Yesenia that I because I, I don't know what this is from uh hold on the, Let me look it up. the the guy who has all the swords pointing pointing at him I think it's from a it, it's got to be from a Disney animation I'm sure I'm not too sure if I'm being completely oh honest. it's it's Flynn Flynn Rider from Rapunzel or tangled whatever you want to call it yeah that this guy flynn rider you know that picture I, i'm sure that famous picture we've all seen whether you've seen T entangled or rapunzel or not you've all seen this picture especially if you're on the internet a lot like us uh he's got all the swords pointing at him generally meaning you have an opinion about something that gets people uh that makes people want to point their swords at you and slit your throat and that's what this mm -hmm. thread is all about opinions about parenting that would leave you like this and uh, I screenshotted um, a bunch of them and I sent them to Yesenia since uh, she doesn't have a Twitter anymore. It's all good. I came through for her. Hi, hold up, hold up. Not that I don't have a Twitter anymore. I gotta be clear. Fuck Twitter. I never liked Twitter. Twitter's always been toxic as fuck. I've never had a Twitter. So. Oh, you've never had one? No, fuck that shit. I oh. saw what it did from the jump. I had, okay, when Twitter first came out, I think we were in like seventh or eighth grade. Maybe even sixth, I want to say. We were we were younger still, but I had one then, and I didn't understand the concept of it because I was like, oh, Facebook and MySpace, you can update your status all the time. So I had it for like a week, and then I got rid of it. But um, yeah, I've never had a Twitter. However, I do know people have made fake Yesenia accounts pretending to be me, which is interesting. Really? That's, but, huh. How can I get so fortunate? <laughs> to have someone impersonate me <laughs> but that's neither here nor there uh fun fact this is totally irrelevant to what we're talking about uh, i only made a twitter because uh i years ago maybe like 2012 2013 uh when i started really getting into youtube and whatnot there was a channel that would live stream every day on their channel and they would just play a whole bunch of video games that people would request and stuff it was a channel called mahalo mahalo games i think it was called and all of the personalities they had on there had Twitter handles. I didn't have Twitter at the time. So I ended up making one just so I could follow them. And here we mm -hmm. are like 10 years, 10, 11 years later. And I still have that bitch still going strong to this day. 
Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Bob, I don't tweet a damn thing. <laughs> oh, I'll occasionally retweet something for like a contest mm-hmm. <laughs> for like a contest. I'm trying to like a oh giveaway. I, I want to win like a PS five or something. So I'll retweet something, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where I, I get, uh, I, I just come across some of these threads sometimes and I'm like, Oh, this would be a good topic to uh, talk about, or I'll send them in the discord and, you know, get a little discussion sparked. So yes, this is about parenting. Uh, yeah and i know this was something i also had brought up before i think more specifically like doing an episode about our relationship with our own parents i think Mm -hmm. would be an interesting episode yeah um but you know i think when it comes to this topic today um definitely want to remind folks we are not parents so it's just a different perspective um but do you know about you i've actually raised kids um that aren't biologically mine like i raised my younger sister I would babysit a lot. Um, And that's kind of like a role, like first girl, first Mexican girls have within their families. Um, It's very much a gender role. So like, I might not have like my own biological children, but I do have the unfortunate experience of maturing to raise other people's children. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do kind of have more biases than I realize when it comes to parenting. And now that I'm a therapist and I've worked helping teenagers advocate um, from their parents or for their parents or, you know, because of their parents, um, it's it's like these types of opinions hit me way different. Right. There's actually one specifically I want to start off with. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Getting right into it. Nine minutes later. Nine minutes later. Um, all right. Um, we're just going to jump right in. The reason why I'm going to bring up this first one is because this first one hits home and I need everyone to hear me when I say this. The first one is denying your kid an autism evaluation because, quote, they get along fine most of the time is a bullshit reason to not get your kid an autism evaluation. And again, I'm starting off with this one because I need people to fucking hear this. People nowadays would rather have a dead child than an autistic child. And this is coming from somebody who has a brother who's on the spectrum and severely on the spectrum. People like autism and COVID are like synonymous. Like it's the ick. Mm -hmm. People refuse to believe that their kids are on the spectrum. They refuse to get treatment for their kids. They refuse to get their kids evaluated because they don't want their kids to have the label of autism. And I get that. I totally get it. It's like any other mental health disorder. Some of y'all people are way more comfortable with them having ADHD when they actually have PTSD, but that's a different story. Um, When it comes to these types of evaluations, you are literally keeping your kid from an opportunity of getting a 504 plan at school or an IEP so they can have accommodations that will make them so much more successful. And if you don't give your kids autism evaluations when you start to notice, I mean, the earliest... You can do it right now as three years old. There's early signs, but the earliest for a kid to respond for an autism evaluation is three. If you don't get them those evaluations that early, you're not going to get the interventions that early. You're not going to start treatments that early. All the milestones that you will miss because you and your ego are so fucking in the way will keep your kid from living an independent life or at least a more independent life, a more neurotypical life. And I can speak from experience because I saw that happen with my own brother. 
My other brother, who's five, we suspected he was on the spectrum because he was like really late in development. But then comparing him to his sister, girls typically develop faster anyway. Now that kid won't shut up and he's like hyper as hell and like a typical thriving five-year-old boy. All the energy in the world. Yeah, he's a little jumping So, yes. So it's like we got him evaluated. It was, you know, borderline. But because we'd rather be safe than sorry, we still got him treatment. And he met all his milestones. And he has been, I think now on his IEP, he has a 4% treatment. So basically like 4% of his school week will be in treatment, which is like speech therapy occupational therapy like learning how to take your shoes on and off learning how to put your jacket on and on learning how to potty train like things like that so for me this one is a huge one and i want to start off with this one because again people nowadays would rather have a dead child than an autistic one and all you people out there that are like vaccines cause autism if that was the fucking case why are we not all autistic as fuck because a lot of us are vaccinated We might be depressed and stressed, but well-dressed, but we're not autistic. And if that really was the case, then they would have pulled vaccines and autism rates would have went away. But that's not the case here. Autism rates are still going up because now we have more technology and more resources to evaluate people. And we also have more treatment so people can leave their normal neurotypical lives, like or equivalent neurotypicalism. Um, So quit being a bitch. Get your kids evaluated because worst case scenario, you'll get help and your kid will thrive. Get over your own shit. If you need therapy, go to therapy. Not your kid. Not Don't go get your kid therapy. Go get therapy yourself to manage their diagnosis because you are the one with the problem, not your kid. Your kid needs support. And you need to figure out your own shit so you can give them that support. This is Yesenia Lanise and I approve this message. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great TED talk right there. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry. I'm like super passionate <laughs> about that one. I have to start off with that one. No, yeah, I loved it because I know I know that that is definitely one that has affected you. Uh, and I, I screenshotted that one specifically because I knew you would feel so passionately about that. Um, I know I've never exactly uh, met. I've never met your brother, but I, I've seen him around. Um, and 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 it, it actually is like not even not I shouldn't say mine, but that's not the right word. But I love I love how much love you have for him no matter you know whether or not he's autistic or or not you know it doesn't matter um you know like you said they they deserve a chance at life they deserve at a, a chance to to live as as best or and as comfortably as they can no matter what mm-hmm. no matter what disability no matter what ailment illness whatever the case may be you know we all we all have some form of illness ailment mental blockage mental whatever you know that doesn't mm-hmm. no one should be dis- denied a chance uh at living a a you know a happy healthy life no matter what no matter what we're born with or what we pick up later on in life it's it, that's mm-hmm. it's just not fair you know what i mean and yeah. yeah i love i love the fact that you love your brother to the ends of the earth and back like oh i, I y'all don't believe me when i say i will commit genocide and mass murder for him because like Oh my goodness, I can't even fathom the amount of like hatred people have for like people on the spectrum because I'm like, what's wrong with you? But like let let someone give him shit. I remember one time in middle school, he was he was in middle school 
mind you, we're 10 years apart. So if he's like 13 in middle, no, what are you in middle school? Like 12? Like I was 22. 12, yeah. yeah. So like he was getting bullied by this like neurotypical kid. And I showed up to his middle school and I was like, I look like a fucking 16 year old. I'll throw hands with this kid. I don't give a fuck. I will go to jail, to prison. Like I will do, I will go to the ends of the earth for the people that I love because especially because of my brother, I know what unconditional love looks like. Um, and in my practice, like I get this all the time with like teenagers who are coming in with all these issues and they have these issues because their parents are just not supporting them. Um, or these kids have these issues like these mental health problems or mental health disabilities or like neurodevelopment disabilities. And it's not that the kid is the one with the issue. It's the parent that has the issue. So I'm like, why do I have to meet with this kid? This kid's fine. Like, yeah, you're a little autistic, but so what? Like, okay, so you don't understand my social cue. Let me help explain it to you. And then the parent is like freaking the fuck out. So then I have to tell parents, like, your kid's not the one with depression and anxiety. It's it's you because you can't accept how your kid is. Like, and your kid picks up on that, which makes them anxious, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, like for me, it's just kind of like being in my field now. Especially in like, as I've been working through the different counties across the Bay Area, like I've noticed that Solano County is like the worst county to try to receive services for kids on the spectrum. Well, anyone on the spectrum. Like Contra Costa County has some good ones. Alameda has hella shit. Like they have everything there. Um, Yolo County, but that's kind of far for some folks. Um, But yeah, like Solano County is by far like the worst county for any type of mental health services. And it's, astonishing because i'm like of course we where are. do you send these people <laughs> right yeah like where do you send these people no it's funny uh not funny i did want to touch on something uh that you mentioned earlier about uh, getting testing and whatnot mm-hmm. for your kids that you know may or may not have um you know development uh issues and whatnot um mm-hmm. i know there was my my girlfriend she works at a uh preschool uh mm-hmm. preschool um date pre-care preschool daycare type type facility and i know she had one kid in her class because she deals with two-year-olds that's her that's the the kid she deals with in her her room are two-year-olds and she Uh was telling me about one kid who they may have suspected had um developmental issues that the parents may not have picked up on but the staff at the at the school um Uh you know glad some of them picked up on it because you know they were noticing like he wouldn't he wasn't potty trained he uh they said that he was nonverbal and stuff mm-hmm. like that well it's crazy that like the parents never how how could they not have you know how could they have missed that you know like I, of course i'm not a parent obviously so i'm sure a lot of these things are missed or missed upon me when i hear these things i'm like well how do you not know you know, how do you not know things about your kid? He's, he's like, he's <laughs> clearly like not potty trained by the, and he's like older than the kids, than the two year olds. So like, there's gotta be something there. Uh-huh. So I don't know, but again, I think, but they couldn't, but they, they had a talk with the parents and everything. So hopefully, you know, down the road that they get him the help that he, that he's probably going to need going into, cause he, uh, into, I think kindergarten would be the next step. So, mm-hmm. You know, Lord knows you don't want yeah. him among everyone else when he can't, you know, 
function properly or communicate properly even. Yeah, and you know, I think the it's they should be pink flags. I don't want to say red flags because a lot of the times we often compare our kids to other kids, especially when you start putting them in like daycare and like TK, pre-K, things like that. It's really easy to compare your kids and the milestones that they might be missing in comparison to others. And there, I also want to acknowledge that that is also a luxury to be able to put your kid in those types of programs and to be able to give your kid enough attention to notice these things aren't happening for them. And I'm not saying or making excuses for parents who are neglectful. However, or I guess I should say, and I'm saying that there are parents who are like immigrants. There are parents who are severely poor. There are parents working through like a boatload of other things and they're showing up in the best ways that they can for their kids and providing like the bare minimum because that's kind of what they're capable of in those moments. And so sometimes like parents are way too stressed about what are we going to, how am I going to feed my kids tonight? That they're not noticing my kids for and isn't potty trained or hasn't said a word yet, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and like for those situations, like I definitely empathize with the parents because I know what it was like to grow up with. I mean, my household wasn't toxic, I would say, but like there was domestic violence and I didn't get the worst of it. My older brother for sure did, but the only memories I have of my parents are like abuse, you know? And so I don't know how much my mom paid attention to, you know, my own milestones or the lack thereof, because she was probably worried about survival and like not pissing off my dad because my dad used to be a drunk, you know, like your, your mind gets occupied with other priorities just to make sure you're alive and your kids are alive. So a lot of the times those things do go unmissed. And I'm talking more about communities that are typically underserved, like undereducated, underfinanced, things like that. Uh, I can segue out of this from two different ways because you touched on two things that I kind of wanted to talk about coming up. Uh, I want to go, uh, you said something about neglectful parents. And I think this, uh-huh. this nowadays is incredibly just, oh, we see it everywhere. And we know it's a bad habit that all of us have formed, but children are extremely, uh, this is extremely prevalent in children because this, uh, this user says putting a screen in front of your child isn't parenting. And Lord knows there's so much content out there on the internet, especially on YouTube. Like there's a whole kids section on YouTube. Now we didn't have that growing up. There's an entire kids section on YouTube. Now that parents will literally just sit their kid down in front of an iPad, laptop, TV, whatever the case may be, and just let it ride for hours. And then, uh, and not even just that, but they'll, They'll sit them in front of, you know, other content creators like Mr. Beast, PewDiePie, um, whoever else. Uh, I, I have so many run through my head. I can't even name them. But there's, they'll just sit them in front of all these content creators on YouTube and Twitch even. Twitch is another big platform. Mm-hmm. And they'll just – and next thing you know, uh, one of these people are saying the N-word or they're saying something super derogatory and then they go to school the next day and they say they repeat that stuff 
And it's like, oh, well, I heard Mr. B say this, or I heard PewDiePie say that. I heard Dr. Disrespect yell this. And next thing you know, everyone's turning on the content creators for getting them, for getting their kids in trouble. And it's like, no, no, Mm -hmm. no, no. There is such a thing as, uh, as parenting and putting things into context and child locks and parental guidance and all this stuff. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like I, like I, I'm going to say this as someone who is an entertainer, a pro wrestler, a middling content creator, (laughs) you know what I mean? It is not. It is not my responsibility to teach your child the ways of life. My job is an entertainer. I am a wrestler. I am meant to go out there and entertain you for however long I'm out there for. I am not there to babysit. I am not there to teach your child right from wrong. If I say some foul language, you need to sit your child down and explain to them that those kind of words are not okay when you're that age uh-huh. but when you get older uh-huh. sure let them fly but it is not the content creator's job to babysit your kids and to teach them all these life lessons yes um i'm so happy you brought this one up because i feel the same like putting your kid on a tablet or on a phone is not parenting at all it's lazy parenting if you want to even call it parenting um your kids so they did a study a few years ago that giving kids green time and like devices and then taking them away mm-hmm. impacts the part of the brain as if you were giving someone cocaine and then letting them sober up like that desire to so parent I've never done cocaine so I don't really know how it works but from what I've been told is like the come down of cocaine is like sucks that you do more cocaine to take away that feeling of that come down. And it's just a cycle of like, because the come down is just terrible. You, you do more. And then like, that's damn near how addiction starts. But yeah. So the way people feel the parts of the brain that light up during that craving period and like that intense, like give me the fucking cocaine to get high type shit is the same region that lights up in kids' brain when you take their iPads or their phones away. Um, after like extensive screen time um so yeah lazy parenting at its finest I my little brother my little sister get screen time my mom and my stepdad they have uh, their old phones that they let the kids do but I kind of get on my mom about it because I'm like they need to be outside they need to be learning in their environment and my mom is way better with it so I'm very happy it's more my stepdad who just will not understand but you can tell that man to put water in a cup and he'll still pour water out on the fucking counter because he's not the brightest color in the box. Um, I also realized recently because they were having like their screen time the other day. I don't know if parents ever actually listen to what the hell their kids are quote unquote watching. Oh no, they don't. But there's some creepy ass shit on kid youtube oh yeah you like, ever seen the, you ever seen the about... spider-man and elsa the spider-man and elsa stuff that was going around for all those years nope but oh, there was <laughs> the, there's this like show that my sister watches and it basically encourages like talking to strangers and how like some adults are like better than others and they can take you away to fairy tale lands and shit and i'm like 
this is brainwashing for you to fucking walk away with a pedophile. I said, hell no. I was like, you, I had to like sit my sister down and be like, you never talk to strangers. If mommy, daddy, you know, Yessie, Alexia, whoever, if we don't talk to those adults, you don't talk to those adults. If they want to take you to their house, you need to come ask us first and they need to come ask us. You, you don't just go with people. So like, they kind of understand now that like, there's like stranger danger type thing. If we don't, I think the thing was that we were trying to tell them is like adults who can talk to other adults, AKA like us are more likely safer adults. Uh-huh. But it's like, if someone is telling you like, Oh, like don't tell mommy or like, don't tell Yessie, that's not someone that's going to love you and they're going to hurt you. Um, and so, yeah, like seeing those things on YouTube is appalling because that's literally how kids learn shitty behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just get like the weirdest messages on there, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I actually had a I dated this guy who he used to yell at his mom a lot because his mom would give their the younger sister the phone and he used to be like what the fuck like why are you giving her the phone like she's on the phone too much like take her outside and i get it sometimes like parents need a break and there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. and don't make it a habit and don't rely on that every time and if you are feeling overwhelmed with how your children are you also need support like talk to somebody like create a village, you know, rely on like support, get support from other people because you're trying to do it alone and you're just going to decrease your level of tolerance and patience for your kids. And then that's how other things happen, like accidents, abuse, neglect, um, you know, like you hurting yourself postpartum, like all of those things happen when you feel like you have nobody or you're not reaching out to other people for support. Yeah. I, there was another comment I saw on this thread. I don't know if I screenshot it and sent it to you. I'm not sure exactly, but one of them, the comments did come out, uh, stick out to me uh, along the same lines that you said, like you said, it takes a village to raise, it takes a village, you know? Uh, And someone said it takes more than two people to, to raise to, to raise a kid, you can have the most loving dad and father or dad and father. <laughs> I mean, I guess nowadays, yeah, you can have that. You can have a, a loving yeah. mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mama, whatever the case may be. But even so, that's not enough. You know, it takes it takes maybe the sibling or the relatives or the cousins and the friend or maybe not friends, but the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents. It takes uh, maybe even the family friends, you know, mm-hmm. like the people you call family, it takes a lot of people, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna need a lot of hands. Uh, I know that that sounded wrong, but you're gonna, it take, you know, you need a lot of hands touching your child to raise them because two, Mm -hmm. two people, it's just not enough. You know, what's funny is I actually seen a TikTok the other day talking about how a lot of people struggle with being like two parent homes because this newer generation we're not we're not living in villages like we used to so before like my parents generation for example like at some point i'm pretty sure we lived with like an aunt an uncle their kids you know their parents at some other point we lived with like my cousins my aunt my uncle and my grandparents but like 
there were multiple families within a home. And even if there were multiple kids, there's still enough adults to even out the the workload, I guess you can say. Right. And, you know, like being Mexican, it's very common for like, you know, to a generation or two ago to have like 10 kids. And then with those 10 kids, like they kind of all stayed together to help raise each other's kids. You know, it's the, those are very common tradition and practices and upbringing. And nowadays it's not like that anymore. Like I think my grandma had like seven brothers and sisters. My mom, last time I counted, it's like 23. They're not all full-blooded, though. She has only one full-blooded brother. Um, her dad was a PIMP. Um, so he was having babies with everybody and everyone. Um, I think last time I counted, she had like 23 siblings, if I counting correctly, mm-hmm. um, that we know of. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, people are coming from, like, these big, huge families. Um, And so, with me, well, now it's a bigger family. But originally, it was just the three of us. And then three became four. And then four became six. But I only have two siblings that are full-blooded. And, yeah, I think, you know, me and my sister-in-law were talking about this even last night. Like, if I were to have a kid or my brother starts having kids, you know, like, I want to be around to help them because I know it's not easy. Like just two people doing it, let alone one person. But you know, I know my brother's going to be tired. I know my sister-in-law will be tired. I'm fine. Give me the damn backpack and let me put the baby in there so I can like give y'all a break and vice versa. I'm sure when I have a kid, they will also be around to help. Um, I kind of hope we all have kids around the same time. So it's like the, our kids have people to grow up with, you know? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, it goes back to that idea that like, it kind of does take a village. And if you're someone out there that's listening, that you are having a hard time with depending on other people with your kids, because being overprotective over your kids is a thing. It's valid. Find people you trust in address your own fears and your own anxieties, because having people to help you out with your kids can mean the biggest difference in your relationship with your kids. Um, it'll help you get more patience, more kind, more loving relationships with your children. And of course, you know, it's very unfortunate to say, I know a lot of the times when people do shitty things to kids, it tends to be the people that we know, never the stranger. It's never the fucking stranger. It's always the people that we let into our homes. Um, it's okay to be cautious about those things and it's okay to be weary of your village. Um, and I think that's why it's always important to make sure that you talk to your kids about like, we don't, you know, adults don't keep secrets with kids. You know, we don't share secrets or keep things from mom and dad and letting your kids know that it's okay to come to you when things don't always feel right. Mm -hmm. Like I remember being a kid and, you know, as a trigger warning for folks out there, you know, trigger warning. uh, When I was molested, I was scared to tell my mom because I didn't want to get in trouble. And that was the relationship. Like if I did something bad, I would get in trouble and I would get hit. So you know, my mom didn't grow up with parents. She didn't know any better. Uh, and therefore, when it happened to me, I kept it a secret for weeks because I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to get in trouble. Um, so, yeah, it takes a village. And it, it takes a lot of unlearning those old toxic parenting styles and toxic patterns of our own behaviors so we can be able to trust and open up to others. and also be vulnerable with our kids and who we have like allow around our kids. 
Yes. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, toxic behaviors, something that you literally just said, and I was uh, trying to trying to get to, or I actually kind of wanted to touch on actually. So perfect segue. Thank you. Two for two. You're on a roll. Look at me. <laughs> um, uh, you, you touched on it uh, very briefly. Um, the topic of, of hitting, uh, hitting children. Uh -huh. uh, this person says hitting a kid as a form of discipline is one of the laziest ways to parent a child. And I could not agree more because um, much like you, uh, I was also hit um, as a kid growing up, I think I don't even think hitting nowadays is even like acceptable, especially with the advent of, you know, everything being on the Internet. It's like you can't hit your kid. That's your child. What are you doing? Da -da 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 -da. I'm going to call TPS and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, obviously in the 2000s and the 90s and, the, and going way back, even like that was like that was the norm. You know, they would even the uh, teachers would uh, even I don't know how it how it was uh, out here out west, but in the south. Man, them teachers were brutal. I tell you, man, they would take rulers and slap them up and slap our, uh, the palms of our hands like as hard as they could. They tape two or three of them together with duct tape and do the same thing. I've seen kids get the wooden paddle in front of like an auditorium full of people at lunchtime. You said in the South? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because the South, they also owned slaves like not even fucking 60 years ago yeah man these like these these teachers in tennessee and man were freaking ruthless i i swear man oh i used to i used to like hate hate that shit man and then you know obviously having to deal with that shit at home like that you want to talk about some fucking trauma right there like there's like i'm not even gonna lie to you that shit to this day like still kind of like haunts me and affects me like i will think about some of the worst days i've ever had uh you know being hit uh, and just, and I think like the biggest thing for kids is, you know, this person that you look up to for guidance and, uh, acceptance and, you know, to feed you and clothe you and, you know, give you all the best presents and, you know, you kiss them and hug them. You say, I love you every night before you go to bed and whatnot, that this person that you love to death, uh, and you have nothing, you have no hate in your heart for them. Most of the time, this person is just you know, doing unspeakable things to you, whether it's just one, like one bop on the head. Right. Or, you know, it goes even further than that. Um, uh -huh. like these people you look up to just are abusing you and assaulting you and you have no idea why, you know, you have, you, you literally in your, in your six year old, seven year old brain, you have no idea what's going on. You don't know what's happening. And there's just no way to explain that to a kid, you know, sure. You can tell them, Oh, well, you did something wrong. Okay, well, you're the parent. Parent the child and teach them the teach them the error of their ways without literally, you know, making tears uh, fall out of their eyes. Like I don't even to this day, I do not understand why anyone would ever hit a kid. I don't understand. Like there are ways to discipline. There are ways to teach your child without putting your freaking hands on them. If you need to yank them away from like an electrical socket, that's one thing. But like, don't like just grab them by their neck and you know slap them around until and, and you know until they you know they quote unquote know better like that's not uh i don't know just even talking about it just makes me like mad with you know filled with rage you know yeah. what i mean it's yeah and again like i again i'm not trying to make excuses um but for me i just think about like generationally like that's what was happening for so fucking long and how much like 
I think our generation and like maybe like people who are in like their mid thirties, like that's really where I'm seeing that habits being broken in parenting. Um, and I remember out here, it, it, so <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, apparently I told my teacher that my parents would hit us. Mm-hmm. And so they called us into the office because it was, it was a big deal. And my brother knew, like, I'm not admitting to shit. He was like, no, they don't. Like, they don't hit us and stuff. And so CPS was called. My parents got investigated. And at the end of the day, they were like, you, you're allowed to hit your kids. You just you can't beat them, right? You can't be hitting them to the point where you're leaving the marks. Um, I don't remember any of that. But I remember it being, like, a big deal because hitting was normal culturally for Hispanics, Mexicans specifically. But it wasn't a western like liberal california thing uh-huh. um and we also were in like a white ass like town um so i think it it really goes to show that my mom definitely hit, hit us when we were kids um she has hit the twins a few times but out of frustration and me and my mom will talk about it because i'm like you like i've i think my mom I had to really help my mom normalize walking away when you're frustrated Right. for any parent out there, leave your kid crying for those few minutes and go get some air because you will need it way more than they will not remember crying. You know, um, I remember when I, yeah, anyways, I, that can go, that's a different topic for a different day. Um, and my mom is so, it makes me kind of, it makes me kind of want to cry, but my mom is a such better mom to the twins and she ever was to us and like yeah it's kind of sucks to say and at the same time like I'm so happy about the way that she parents those kids because they get the best version of my mom yeah. and like they get the best mom ever and I already love my mom um she did the best she could with us given the fact that she never was a parent before she didn't have parents um and now she has a daughter who has all the tips and tricks and that can teach her to be better and those kids are having the best fucking childhood I think any of us could have ever dreamt of. And when it comes to hitting, I think, yeah, like, I don't think it's lazy parenting. I think it's really fucked up perpetual trauma. I think it's creating traumatic cycles. I think it's it's the worst part of parenting because it shows that the people who are doing it, the people who are hitting their kids, they have not learned that there are different forms of discipline and there are other ways to get your point across. Um, sometimes I'll joke with a few people like, oh, a lot of these kids need to just be beat nowadays. And then I have to catch myself because I'm like, Yesenia, just because you got beat, like, doesn't mean these kids need to get beat. Like, and then there's people who are like, oh, people who gentle parents are suckers or people who still believe in like beatings or suckers. Like this whole argument. I just think that like, there are boundaries that need to be set with kids but I don't think love is a boundary that needs to be set. I don't think kindness is a boundary that needs to be set. I think there are ways to discipline your kids without having to lay a hand on them. And there's sometimes kids who are very out of control, hostile, violent, that, I don't know, maybe you do need to, like, hit them, or maybe they need to get their ass beat by a peer. I don't know. I have a patient that's like that. She's, you know, she's struggling with um, a, a son who's aggressive and 
I don't, I don't know what to tell her because in my mind, I'm like, damn, my mom want to beat my ass, you know, but she's never touched her kid. And I'm not going to encourage her to do that. Mm-hmm. Just like, I'm not going to encourage her to continue putting up with that shit either. Cause I was like, at the end of the day, like, that's like how you're being treated is fucked up. So it, it gets, it's being in this weird space of like, you got beat, but you don't want to perpetuate that. It's like, <laughs> it's a weird space to be in. I don't know if you've ever really thought about that when you talk to your girlfriend, if you guys have like children talk or whatever, or when you think about your own kids. Um, I don't know if you've ever like reflected on like how you were brought up and then if you would do it to your kids. Yeah, I definitely kind of like how your mom was like, I kind of want to be uh, a better version of what I got growing up. Like, like I obviously like, I know my mom, you know, loves me uh, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, I don't want to pass on any sort of like, like you said, lingering trauma that could affect how my child sees me. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It's uh-huh. one, it's one thing to put the fear in them. Like, I think every, I think every child needs to fear their parents in one way or another. I don't know. Maybe that's just me personally. I know that, may come off as like the wrong way i'm not sure but um like oh i want to be able to lift my eyebrow now and my kids know to get in line yeah once the brow is lifted get your shit straight yeah exactly like when you give them that look you know what i mean it's like hey it's time to stop playing you know what i mean like that kind of stuff it's cool but like i don't that's a different type of fear though that's a fear yeah. of like, oh, I need to simmer down, not a fear of, oh, my God, here comes, you know, the hand of God and I'm not going to like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, yeah cause I think like the last thing I would want is to instill a fear in my kids to a point where they're scared to tell me things like important, like things like trauma, heartbreaks. I, mean, I want my I'm hoping I can be a therapist. I hope I can like therapize my kids in a way that feels supportive and create an environment where my kids feel safe to tell me things and also set boundaries with me too. And that's, that's kind of another, um, I I want you to also finish your thought, but to kind of segue into the next one is like sometimes, or like you also need to allow your kids to be able to tell you no, not just everybody else. So like, helping your kids create boundaries really does start with creating boundaries with parents. Um, but before we get into that, uh, I wanted you to finish your thought. Uh, I actually was done, but then you, you said something oh, that okay. you actually said something that like, uh, sparked a little something. Uh, I won't go on it too long. Cause I know uh, you want to move on. So, um, uh, I know you said that you want your kids to be open and everything with you. Same thing, like with your patients and whatnot. I think that's kind of why, like I am sort of, and I even hate saying this out loud if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, I kind of hate the fact that I'm not as open with my mom as I am with, like, you guys. Like, I open up to you guys about literally everything. You know what I mean? Like, I told yeah. you guys, like, when we're like, hey, there's this girl I'm hooking up with. Or, oh, hey, I got this new job. Or, oh, my God, I just got the new the new uh, GTA. Or, I got a new, I got a, P- I bought, guys, I bought a PS5. You know what I mean? Like, I tell you guys everything. Yeah. No matter how small or insignificant or big or whatever. But, like, I don't really tell any of that stuff to my mom. Like, I'm pretty sure if I didn't tell my mom that I had a girlfriend, she would have, she would not suspect a thing. Other than, I guess, you know, a girl coming over to our house, you know, every couple of weeks. But, like. I don't, I don't really tell her a lot of stuff. And I think that kind of does stem back to, you know, being, being, 
you know, hit as a kid because I wanted to, you know, tell her like I got good grades and all that kind of stuff. But then as I got older, I just got like more and more closed off to the point yeah. now where it's just like it, it like she's and I again, I hate saying this a lot. She's just sort of someone I live with. And mm-hmm. I and I kind of hate that if I'm being honest. But now being like almost 30, it's like. I don't even know if I can undo that in my mind, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes it's sense. Been, and it's, been it's so also not your work to do. You know what I mean? Like, you are the child. She is the parent. Um, and I think, actually, we can segue to this one. Um, it is not a child's job to unpack the trauma a parent enforced on them or the trauma they inflicted on them or any pain or hurt that a parent caused. It is the parent's responsibility. It is up to the parent. The parent brought the child into the world. Yeah, you are an adult now and you can attempt to make that relationship with your mom. You can try to make it better. You can make the effort and extend your arm out, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's, it is it is on your mom to revive that relationship, to try to get your relationship to that mother-son relationship or, you know, whatever. Like, at the end of the day, like, that work goes to your mom your work is being able to process and talk about and make these connections of like damn i go to my friends more for support and in my lowest of times than i would go to my own parents um that's that's your work being able to recognize that and like seeing the way that's going to show up in your relationships or in the way you show up for your kids right because you have the option of perpetuating that cycle and getting your kids being distant from your kids and then one day they feel like you or saying, fuck that. I want my kids to be like my little mini me's and I want them to be able to come to me for everything. Obviously, sometimes they won't because that's normal. Um, but it literally will be up to you to figure out how you would like to navigate your relationship with your kids. All you can do is just unpack that stuff for yourself to better yourself for one day when you have those kids. Um, the rest is parent work and people who are listening I know a lot of our friends, we all have problems with our parents. Again, a lot of migrant parents in our friend group, a lot of traditionality, a lot of cultural and religious traditions that are very hard to break. Um, And we want to make our parents proud and we want to do the most for our parents. And it's not our job to heal our parents and their trauma. And it's not our job to do the work for the pain that they inflicted on us. It's just not. And this is coming from someone who has tried to do it my entire life. And it's taking me way too long to figure it out. That I can't. I can't repair. The shit that my parents did to me. But I can process it. And learn to let it go. So it doesn't fuck with my relationships anymore. And it won't fuck me up with my kids. When I have kids. And. I can do my part. And either trying to have relationships with my parents or not. And that's kind of where I am now. Like me and my mom have the best relationship I could have ever imagined. And I used to think my mom hated me. And the boundary with that is I can never live with my mom again. If I want my relationship to stay where it's at with my mom, we can never live together again. It's just not going to work. And with my dad, my boundaries with him are intense. Like I need to limit my conversations. I need to limit contact. I need to limit information. I need to limit how much I know about him because my dad is the source of my anxiety. 
and I love him, but I can love him from afar. Mm-hmm. And if shit comes to shove, like, yeah, I'll be there. And then making sure he's healthy, making sure he's good and pass it to somebody else because it's not my job. I'm the child, not the parents. Um, and I hope for folks who are listening, y'all have a minute to really let that sit in. Like, you are the child, not the parents. And hopefully you're old enough to understand what your boundaries are and learn to set them and set those boundaries with your parents and your other family members. Yeah, it really is uh, weird how a lot of parents will um, bestow upon them all these things that they went through um, just for like their just so their kids can turn out the exact same way as they did. Mm-hmm. And not not let them be their own person, and I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. like why why take away their individuality? Like, there's no nothing is going to happen to them, you know, by letting them walk their own path. Mm-hmm. Um, like I see it all the time, and uh, like you say, like w- we're a bunch of people in our group with different cultures and whatnot, but there is one constant that I have kind of seen with um, some of our friends' parents. Uh, and it's the fact that like, despite, oh, we're all, and we're all the same age, relatively speaking, there's only like a one or two year difference between all of us. Um, but, uh, the, the one thing that I've seen in it, and it like irks me, it's not none of my business, obviously, but like, I just don't, I hate the fact that like some of our friends, parents, um, they're almost 30 and they still treat them like they're like they're three. You know, they, they keep, mm-hmm. they keep them on the leash. You know, you have to be home at a certain time. You can't go out with these people. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they just have such control over them. And I'm just like, oh, like, like, just let your kid be, you know what I mean? They're a full grown adult. Like I get it. They, mm-hmm. I get, I get the whole, um, you know, they live under my roof. So they're going to follow my rules thing. And okay. And it's like, fine. If you want to have those rules for yourself, uh, for your, for your, whoever is under your roof, like fine, you know that's that's your business that's you know that's whatever but like like the the day that your kid leaves like what are you gonna have you have you have you prepared your kid to take on the world through yep through you being such like and you you said you said it like one time this whole episode you said being an overprotective parent uh like have you prepared your child for the world by being a helicopter parent or overprotective or overbearing or what have you, uh, like just let them, just let them go, let them be free, let them do their own thing, let them walk their own path. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because like at some point it's gonna happen. At some point it's going to happen, and they, they, they need to be ready. They need to be ready to to leave the nest whenever that, whenever that is. And I'm not here advocating, you know, people just up and leave their house when they're 18 and stuff. I'm not, it's, I'm not saying that, but like, leave your, leave the house when you're ready, when you feel like you're ready. Um, but at some, it's, it's, it's gotta happen. Like, I think parents, all parents need to come to that realization one day that like your kid is your kid, but at the same time, they're not a miniature version of you. Like they are, they are up until like maybe, I don't know, like 13 or like middle school. They are up until that point. Sure. You can, you know, you can all, you can listen to the same type of music. You can be into the same stuff. Like I, like a goal for me, um, I want my kid to, you know, oh, I don't want him to, or they, I don't want them to 
um necessarily like it's not a requirement obviously but it would be cool if i could go to rock shows with my kid you know what i mean it would be cool to sit down and watch dragon ball one day with my kid and watch anime with my kid it would be cool to do the things that i am interested in you know go to wrestling shows and watch wrestling and all this kind of stuff but of course if that if they don't if they're not into it hey so be it you know they gotta yeah. they gotta do their own thing they gotta forge their own path at some point you know yeah and i mean that goes with one of the opinions is like being able to let your kids that learn how to set boundaries by being able to tell you no mm-hmm. um like your child being able to tell a parent no yeah i think that's um, a hu- I, I saw that one too Ellie, that's a that's a huge one yeah a lot of parents the whole like don't talk back thing well talking back is a form of them like you said earlier, you like processing stuff. They, they, they ask questions just like you do allow them to speak their mind. And, you know, if they, they don't, they have things they don't like too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this idea of quote unquote talking back, I mean, I think it definitely comes from like hormones, like, you know, exploring boundaries is what really that's what that stage is about. But I, I've learned and from what I've seen over time is, authoritarian parents like like because i said so parents like they don't give you explanation why they say no parents they are usually the ones with children who get the attitude because what i realized them and like the really permissive parents like you can get away with murder type shit um because the authoritarian has control over everything so it's these kids kind of break down these walls right and people with permissive parents are very detached with their their parenting styles. So they don't really care to let their kids do anything. They're just like, whatever. And so a lot of that comes from like their kids want their parents to care. So they're going to give you attitude. They're going to give you all this hell because they want to test to see what they have to do for you to give a shit, for you to have a reaction to anything. They just want the attention. Um not attention seeking. Let me let me be very clear. I hate that fucking term. I think it's valid that a kid wants love and attention, um, and will do whatever they can to get a reaction, and then learn to keep doing it because it's called learned behavior. But anyways, reinforcement. Um, so like the parents that can reason with their kids, give explanations, talk to their kids, they tend to be the parents that get away with the random like, I just don't want you to. I, I'm just saying this because I don't have a good reason. I just don't want you to go to that party tonight. And more than likely, their kid will talk back. And more than likely, their kid will also be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Like, I just, I really want to go. And it really just sucks that you won't, you don't want me to. And you're not letting me. Most of the time, kids are actually really fucking reasonable. I learned this from being a middle school counselor. Whenever we would kick kids out, the counselors that would be like get out and the kid would be like what did i do and like the counselors would like just get out and like would never go talk to them they tend to be the most disruptive kids with those counselors around but then there were other counselors who'd be like get out of classroom and then the kid would be like oh what did i do and then you know they'll be like oh i'll I'll go talk to you right now outside i don't want to disrupt the classroom so then the kid goes outside the counselor would take a few minutes And then they would go outside and tell the kid, like, hey, you were doing X, Y, and Z things. Do you understand how that's disruptive? And then they would literally get the kid to explain, how do you feel like these things are disruptive? Or how do you, how, 
why don't you see that these things are disruptive? And then they would ask them, like, why are you doing these things in class? You're trying, you know, other kids are trying to learn. So, like, why are you doing these things? And it'd be something like tapping a pencil or, like, making weird noises or whatever. And a lot of the times the kid would be like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm bored. I just have too much energy. So then, you know, a lot of what we would try to do is try to teach them to advocate for themselves. Like, raise your hand and say, hey, Miss Yesenia, like, I really need to take a walk right now. Like, I have so much, so much energy. I can't sit still. All right, let's go. You know, and I remember me telling a few of my kiddos, like, I want to give you the positive attention, the like, the praise, the love, the kindness of you just being able to be like, hey, Miss Yesenia, I'm literally suffering in this class. Can we go outside? Can we go take a walk? I need a break. I don't like sending you out because you're having all this energy. You know, it's mostly like the ADHD kids, but man, oh man, like from time to time, they would get me so fucking good with the like, Mrs. Anya, I need a break. And I'm like, oh my God, can you fucking raise your hand, please? <laughs> and then they would raise their hand. Mrs. Anya, I need a break. And I'd be like, well, you're kind of halfway there. But I'm like, all right, you got to wait till I call on you to like ask for these things. Um, but yeah, it's like, how are you able to c- communicate and talk to your children is going to really impact the relationship you have with them. And the ways in which they respond to you. You are their first example of behavior. You are their first examples of modeling reactions, emotions, boundaries, and everything. What you do, they will do too. Yeah, like imagine you going off on a McDonald's worker because they missed a nugget. And you start (laughs) bitching and moaning and you end up on TikTok going viral and stuff. Like, look at this lady going, look at this lady going off on the 16-year-old. And then your child is there present watching you you know in silence and then next thing you know they again there's no context for what you're doing they end up like you said learning those same habits and behaviors and patterns and then the vicious cycle will continue um but yeah i think something you said that was very poignant uh was uh and i know we're coming up on time here um was people are reasonable most people are reasonable if you just are willing to have like an open and honest conversation or dialogue about uh like you said things that frustrate you or you know whatever the case may be like for example i know this isn't even related to uh to to um parenting or the topic with, uh, at hand but uh a few months ago i bought uh, a jersey off of a off of an anime store on instagram um i won't even give their name out because i'm still pretty pissed about what happened with this purchase uh i bought a jersey like i think let's say february right um i ordered the jersey in february two weeks go by and it's or like a week goes by and it says oh your order is being prepped to ship all right cool two weeks go by i hear no updates three weeks go by no updates and and it's almost a month Uh, hello can you hear me yes okay um like uh three weeks go by and there's no update so i'm like okay what's going on i i hop on the instagram page and i go you know i i message i i comment under one of their videos like hey uh you know i haven't you know received any shipping updates and all that kind of stuff and i and and i actually start to see that i'm not the only one there are other people that are having the exact same issue as me some dating back to as um as far back as six months so I'm like, ooh, that's a huge red flag. 
And but luckily, I think I'm one of the few lucky people. I got a message back. Granted, it was a it was a bot response that gave me my tracking number. They gave me my shipping info, all that stuff. But still, mm-hmm. it took them almost another three weeks for that label that got made for my product to actually ship. So my shit didn't even my my item didn't even ship to like a month and a half after I ordered it. So fast forward, I get my item. I'm cool. I'm happy with it. It's a dope jersey. It looks very nice and everything. But the and then a day later, I get a I get an email from the owner of the company and he, you know, he's like, hey, how do you like the jersey? You know, uh, is there any information or any feedback you can give us as a company to better our, you know, whatever? And I'm like and I gave him a whole a whole like essay about like hey if you if you guys are having problems like supply chain issues or problems with shipping you guys are short staffed whatever the case may be just tell people like like i said at the at the top of Uh this just tell people that you're having trouble shipping tell people you're short staffed and you can't fulfill orders in, in a timely manner your order might take a while people are more than willing to give you the benefit of the doubt and to give you a chance and to wait a little bit longer if you are just open and honest with them just tell them that things are yep. things are wrong and they'll be less because like i'll be honest i was pissed i'm like it should not have taken me up almost two months to get this shit and i've seen people that have been waiting for longer than six upwards up to a year and with no updates and they ordered the stuff online and i'm like dude like what is going on guys if i had known that i would have not bought the jersey in the first place but again i'm one of the lucky few that got mine thank goodness but yeah just yeah but like yeah just have open honest conversation and dialogue with people it 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 honestly can solve a lot of issues um rather than like you said resorting to yelling and screaming and then you just get into shouting matches and nothing nothing gets done when voices get raised and then you start name call uh-huh. you start calling people names and then it just devolves and breaks down and then at that point nothing's getting done everyone everyone at the end just, of the day everyone looks like a fool yeah and at the end of the day like yelling and raising your voice is just gonna create anxious kids Mm-hmm. yelling at your kids will make them anxious it will turn them into people pleasers for all my people pleasers out there you want to break that cycle don't yell at your kids have those like eye-to-eye level conversations with your kids give your kids a voice give your kids strength to be able to have conversations even if they're opposing your opinions as stupid and annoying as that is because those people pleasers are probably yelled at they were probably the kids that felt like they were never doing good enough for their parents. We're probably also the ones that like everything that we did was wrong. So all we do now in life is try to do the best we can and feel like it's still not enough for everybody because we were yelled at. Not, And I don't mean like like scolded. I think scolded is a different thing. The more stern way of disciplining, disciplining, right? You have like that stern voice. I mean like you're yelling at your kids like... I, I had to yell at my stepdad today because my little sister was crying when I was leaving. She hates when I leave. She has a little anxious attachment. I'm, just, I'm still trying to figure out why. But um, my stepdad yelled at her because she was crying and I yelled at him. And I was like, you don't yell at her for having her emotions. She's sad because I'm leaving and that's not a bad thing. Let her be sad. Do not yell at her. And then I looked over at the twins and I was like, you see how I was yelling at your dad? <laughs> it's not okay to yell at that. It's not okay to yell at people but I love you guys and you guys are not in trouble for being sad that I'm leaving because again, they're watching him have their interactions with them. 
right? My little sister was watching, you know, I can't have this emotion of sadness. I cannot cry because I will be in trouble. That's what she she could have learned in that situation. My brother, her twin, is learning, don't cry like my sister because then my dad's going to yell at me. But then on the flip side of it is like, because I got in trouble, yes, he's yelling at my dad. Now I'm not in trouble. But it's like, no, I'm yelling at your dad because it's okay to cry. Right. And then also like framing that like, it's not okay to yell at people either. It's it's hard. Like learning all the things I've learned about parenting, communication, just how to be human and have a human experience. Honestly, I feel like that's why I'm so emotionally unstable a lot because it's a lot of me unpacking and unlearning the trauma that I've endured and trying to live a more healthy, happy life and then trying to project that to others. So like my mom, for example, so she could be a better mom to the twins trying to be really kind with the twins so they grow up to be kind loving people not fucking diminished and like dwindled by life you know not be these sad little clouds that i like me and my sister my brother are you know right um and it's it's not easy and you know i think about having kids and i'm like fuck like how am i gonna do it when i have a kid um and i know if i do this hard if i try this hard already just with my friends and my family like I know I'm going to be a great mom with how much effort I put into trying to be a, the best mom. That's all you could hope for. And you know what, Yesenia, you already said it. Parenting is hard. None of this shit is easy. No one, there's no playbook. There's no blueprint. We're all trying at this game of life to be the best that we can be. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy that you've stuck around with us. I know we went a little bit over time, but hey, if you've made it this far, we thank you. As always, for sticking it out with us on another fantastic episode. And we haven't even gotten to all of the opinions uh, that uh, that we screenshotted. So, of course, another topic we can revisit. And, of course, a topic we can revisit with some guests uh, by our side next time. Speaking of which, I am trying very hard. I'm trying like every I've tried for like three weeks now at this point to get a, a very special someone uh, on for a topic that I very much am trying to get going um, I think it's a topic a lot of us uh, have experience with, but uh, I, I'll leave it at that for now. I think I'm getting close. I think uh, I think Homeboy's gonna not be busy next week. I'm, I can, ho I'm hoping. I'll bug him. <laughs> so, um, but yes, in the meantime, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, I don't I'm tr I don't want to make this intro or outro seem short because uh, but oh man, by this time tomorrow it is nine o'clock on a Thursday. Uh, August 24th, as we are, are recording this, this time tomorrow, 24 hours from now, I am going to be in Los Angeles and my dick is going to be so fucking hard because I'm going to be watching Metallica <laughs> down at SoFi Stadium. Hallelujah. My happy place has returned to me yet again. I'm going to be so, ooh, I'm going to be so fucking hyped, man. Get fucking excited. I thought you said you were going to be so fucking horny, but... <laughs> I mean, Metallica does things to you, Yesenia. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, it definitely does. Um, well, I hope you have the most fun in LA. Um, definitely try to enjoy the, the nice weather um, while you're out there. And uh, eat some good food. Get some good ramen out there. Yeah, I, I don't know what our food plans are going to be, but I know we're going to Universal. You should go back to slurping. I was thinking about it, but uh, I know I do. There's so much. There's just so much out there. It's like. I want to experience it all. So 
Yeah. We'll see what I know. There's a burger joint I want to go to. My boss told me about uh, a Korean barbecue joint that's all you can eat for twenty dollars, and I was like, "Oh man, that might be the play." So I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll see what's going on. Um, but while I'm living it up in LA, while Yesenia is uh, recovered from her bout with COVID, again we are happy to have you uh, back and healthy. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another fantastic episode of Soft Boiled. Uh, sorry that uh, it wasn't the, one of the more livelier episodes, <laughs> but hey, sometimes the tough topics have to be talked about. Mm-hmm. We thank you all for tuning in and listening, and we hope y'all have a great weekend. Teddy, drive safe. Teddy, drive safe. We love you. Bye. Bye.